Let us recall where we are. We're at the end of a four-week journey of focus and attention on Philippians, a task given to us to do here as well as at home if we chose. Encourage uh, that to be a faith-at-home kind of exercise one night or two nights of the week. And you have a final series to do this week if you have been faithful to that or if you want to begin uh, and at least close out the week in that fashion. And uh, it's an interesting contrast here, but in a good and right way. The sermon series has been uh, a focus on Philippians under the heading of To Live is Christ. And we spoke of living for Christ out of chapter 1 and being like-minded in Christ out of chapter 2, the servant's heart, in pursuit of Christ last week. And uh, this morning we conclude out of the fourth chapter, rejoicing in Christ. And the reason I mention these kind of opposites that even attract is that the gospel reading this morning is very solemn. Jesus says, and I, when I am lifted up. It's a very clear colloquialism in the Greek that what he's speaking about is crucifixion. And that when he speaks of being able to draw all people to himself, he is speaking of himself nailed to the cross, but nailed to the cross out of love and for love for others. And he said that love will be compelling to all people, Jew and Gentile, as it has been through the ages and has been for you and for me. This, these words took place really, uh, we're hearing them a week ahead of time. These would have been words that would have been spoken to the followers of just in the context of Palm Sunday as he was moving into Holy Week and moving into the conflict and the controversy So he is certainly feeling the weight and burden of the world on him on the one hand, and yet saying, this is how my Father in Heaven will be glorified in this self-offering of me. A wise person has said, I lost the source of this quotation, but it's certainly spoken from a seat of wisdom. The gospel begins with joy and ends with joy. The joy of Christmas is its beginning. The joy of Easter is the ending of the gospel. And this person then said, in fact, the closer Jesus gets to the cross, the more he talks about joy. You have to explore the gospels and see how that resonates and comes to be true. But in a similar fashion... Paul writing this letter to the church in Philippi from prison, as we have mentioned previously. And yet it is a letter of joy and gladness and excitement because Paul has discovered to live is Christ or to follow Christ is to live. And rejoicing in Christ becomes a marvelous quality of the disciple who follows Jesus in spite of external circumstances. I'd like to offer simply a word from Scripture, almost 90% of these words this morning. And I think I can do this in an expeditious way, but I hope for, I'm hopeful in a compelling fashion. It's simply to let God's words speak to us on this theme of joy. Being intoxicated with the life of God might be another way to say this. Intoxicated having too much of the life of God in you, that you are drunk with joy and love and peace. 
Life in Christ. Psalm 122. I rejoice with those who said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. This is one of the psalms of ascent up to Jerusalem to worship in the Holy Temple. And it simply acknowledges that there can be, is supposed to be, needs to be from our hearts a great joy simply in the privilege and and the privilege of gathering together like this on a Sunday morning and on other occasions simply for worshiping the Lord. A sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, we say. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. The blessed man, his delight is in the teaching of the Lord. And on his teaching he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and his leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. God's Word is a place of rich joy and blessing. Blessed is the man, for his delight is in the teaching of the Lord. Psalm 28. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy, Psalm 28, and I will give thanks to Him in song. God's assurance of protection lifts the heart of the one who is burdened. And finally, from the New Testament, life in Christ, Galatians 5.22. What is the byproduct of life in Christ? It's the fruit, the final result of the planting of that seed years before. Finally, from the seed and the blossom comes the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. Simply welling up from the Christian. Life in Christ. Or what about life for the sinner? Is there any joy in that sin posture that we all know because we all are sinners at times? We miss the point of life. We cross over a line we should not have crossed over. We play out of bounds from the game of life. And Jesus tells a parable for those who need to hear a word of hope. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, he writes, and he spoke and said, and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully, the shepherd joyfully puts on his it puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And he calls his friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Jesus says, I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons. He gives yet another illustration of that, the parable of the lost coin, and says again, when she finds her lost coin, she'll call her friends. There will be rejoicing in the presence of the angels in the same way. For anyone, any sinner who has been in the darkness and comes into the light. And of course the story of the prodigal son. And the joy of greeting that prodigal child. And meeting him out on the road. Welcoming him home. So Psalm 51 will say. To or of the repentant sinner. Lord created me a clean heart. 
Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence again or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy, the joy of your salvation. There is joy for the sinner who is found. And what about difficulties and other kinds of suffering? Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are you when people insult you or persecute you or falsely say all kinds of things against you because you are being faithful to me. He says, Rejoice. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Paul, writing from prison, knows the wisdom of Jesus' words, no doubt, and rejoices from his prison cell. First chapter of the book of James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith will actually be a means of growth. It will develop perseverance in you. And perseverance will finish its work of growing you so you will become mature and whole, not lacking anything. And of course, Paul writes to the church in Rome, to those experiencing difficulties and suffering, and we rejoice. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. And Nehemiah, writing from a time of exile and return, an Old Testament prophet said, Don't grieve. For the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So how fitting as we prayed Psalm, I'm sorry, prayed the colic today for the fifth Sunday in Lent. And we concluded that prayer, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Our hearts fixed in life in Christ. Fixed for the sinner who comes home and our life in Christ fixed through difficulties and circumstances, difficulties and sufferings and joy comes to us. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. So allowing that to be a backdrop to Paul's concluding thoughts in his letter to the church in Philippi and to the church today. Paul writes in the fourth, the fourth chapter, the fourth verse, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, Paul writes, Rejoice. And he gives some godly advice and wisdom here about how to live this life of joy. I mean, it is life in Christ. And in each of his letters, he has told us why we can be so grateful because of what Christ has done for us. How he has loved us and rescued us and brought us homeward. And so here he's simply giving directives of how now to live in this life in Christ. And he says, finally, brothers and sisters, try this. Practice this. 
Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He's trying to pull us away from the negative, pulling us away from the depressing, pulling us away from the darkness. And he says some of this we can manage ourselves by what we choose to think about. Do you dwell on all the ills of the world? Do you dwell on all the ills of your life? We all have difficulties. But do you dwell there? Do you get stuck there? Or as a disciple in Christ, do you dwell in the land of joy? Do you see the good? Is your picture half full or half empty? And what Paul is saying and what Scripture is saying and what is offered from Jesus is that for the disciple... Always live as if the pitcher is at least half full, if not more. And Paul gives us another hint and another directive here. Later in the chapter he says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Sometimes we let the circumstances determine whether it's going to be a good day or a bad day. We walk out the door, and if it's cloudy, it's going to be a bad day. If we walk out the door and it's sunny, it's going to be a good day. We walk out the door, we drop our books on the way to the car, or the car won't start, it's going to be a bad day. We walk out and the car is fine, but we get bogged down in traffic, it's going to be a bad day. Paul says, I have learned to be content whatever the externals are of my life, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. He is right then. He's in prison. And I know what it is to have plenty. He was a prosperous Jew, no doubt, from a prosperous family. I've learned the secret. Eugene Peterson says he has learned the recipe of being content in every every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What's the recipe, Paul? What's the secret? I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. The secret, the recipe, is life in Christ. Life in Christ. Living for Christ. Like-minded in Christ. In pursuit of Christ, growing towards Him. And rejoicing in Christ. That remarkable, miraculous relationship one-on-one between every Christian and the Lord Jesus is the recipe. And it's found in the places that we have named in God's Word to be fed the recipe life in Christ. In worship to be fed to be nourished life in Christ. In small group gatherings in that life with other disciples. In ministry, tea room and gift shop. The uh, Christian Learning Center auction and barbecue last night. Reading camp that is ahead of us. All these places of ministry where we find that the recipe is effective and works for us. And so we come to the end of this four week journey. And we end certainly on a high note. Jesus on a high note, yet moving inexorably towards the cross. And yet we know what is beyond 
the crucified Lord is the risen Lord, we anticipate and expect the joy that will come beyond the glorified Lord. And for our lives, brothers and sisters, a life lived in joy, not manufactured joy, not manipulated joy, but through life in Christ, by the power of His Spirit on us, the converted heart, the melted heart, the convicted heart, out of that comes joy and gladness, love for service, faith and trust in God. A final thought, being intoxicated with the life of God. As I prepare to write about joy and think about joy and speak of joy this morning uh, for this service, I didn't feel joyful at all. (laughs) It was really kind of embarrassing to have to preach and speak on joy and saying, I don't even feel like joyful. I'm not very joyful now. I realize it is quite a challenge for some of us sometimes. This is a very real problem. And I, as I looked through Scripture and saw, you know, that word appears 300 times in Scripture. The word rejoice appears 120 times in Scripture. There is a word there. It is a word of encouragement for us that when we are burdened, when we don't feel joyful, when we are pulled down, Paul's saying, Come back to the source. Come close to the source. Come to the Lord Jesus. Receive His Spirit new and fresh. And you will leave filled with joy. May that be for us in our lives. May that be the experience, the genuine, authentic experience of our lives. And may we also more and more be able to say, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. Whatever life throws at me, Because my life is in Christ. I know the rest of the story. I know my story with Him. It's all about joy, finally. And love. Faith and hope. Thanks be to God. Amen.